God has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Therefore, we must add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And if faith comes by hearing the word of God, then knowledge comes by being educated by way of the word of God. Who else is better to instruct you than a teacher? A teacher anointed by God is to dispense information for edification, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that you may be partakers of the divine nature of God's glory. We invite you to come learn with us as we journey through scripture so that he who has an ear can hear what the spirit through a teacher has to say. Welcome, beautiful people, to another episode of The Teaching Prophet. I am she. She is me, Tangela L. Clayton, the master teacher delivering lessons for the Lord. This podcast is one that takes you on a journey of learning through the scriptures so that we can add to our faith knowledge. Please feel free to subscribe, like, share, and or comment on today's episode. Also, if you would like to tip the teacher, visit our website at www.tangelallc.com. Again, that is www.tangelallc.com. Scroll down to the teacher section and click tip the teacher. You can also click the support link on whichever platform from which you're listening. All right, my good people, now that that is taken care of, we are continuing our journey of learning through a series that we have titled, Give Us a King, The Consequences of a Spiritual Canon. This is lesson number five. Ooh, titles and stature, positions in the church, part four, preferably our last part, but if not, if we got to chop this up in two. I'm with the Holy Spirit, and if you with me and I'm following the Holy Spirit, we just going to all be okay with that. Uh, let's remind everyone that uh, who are taking notes that if you are, we are like dealing with these lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life based on 1 John 2 and 16 that tells us for all of this that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So anything that goes under those three categories, not God, not God at all. I don't care how you try to spin it. It is not God. Amen. Amen. All right. So a spiritual canon for those of you that haven't been with us since the beginning. Hey, I encourage you to go back, but hey, we got you. A spiritual canon is a set of principles uh, by which Christians are judged because they have been established as the standard or the highest quality by the spiritual elites. Now, who all these spiritual, who are these spiritual elites? We don't know who these people are, but apparently they've told us this is how you dress, think, act, feel, believe. This is what's going to make you a Christian, right? Are they biblical? Some are, some are. But again, if they fall up under the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not of God, no way, no how, go about your business. All right. So our scripture base is 1 Samuel chapter 8. Let's go ahead and get that up. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel and the name of the second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after the son is gained, took bribes and perverted justice. Then the, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, look, <laughs> you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. 
Now, therefore, heed, the, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariot to be his horsemen and some would run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captain over his fifties and will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be his perfumers, cooks and bakers and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards and your olive grove and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain, your vintage and give it to his officers and servants and he will take your male servants your female servants your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work he will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants and you will cry out in the, in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the lord will not hear you in that day nevertheless the people refused to obey the voice of samuel and they said no but we will have a king over us that we may also be like all other nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. <sighs> let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. So last time we talked about that we started talking about the five, four ministry and we began, the, we began with bishops and I told you that, um, bishops comes from the teaching, the, the line or the lineage of bishop or why bishops are considered a, such a high position is because it comes from a known teaching as the apostolic succession, where they supposed to represent the uninterrupted continuation from the first apostles of Jesus Christ. And then the Roman Catholics, they believe that this is true based on a Petrian theory which claimed that, you know, Jesus designated St. Peter, then St. Peter turned around and designated the bishops of Rome. Now their you their 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 argument is weak there, um. But that's what that's what the canon does. It makes its own restrictions for you, and it's not necessarily biblical in all aspects of it. Now it could be true, but the Bible, you know, as I explained last week with the term bishop, the Bible doesn't really clearly say that there are direct secessions from the um the, the original apostles but that's what people want you to believe and that's what is going on here because they want a bishop to be one of like a a high office when in fact bishops were directly uh similar and directly related to being a deacon which means the administration of the of the church not the delivering of the word not the dispensing of the word but just the administration because they needed people to make sure that the monies and the things that were gathered together were dispersed equally among all the people or more so that the people got exactly what they needed that they got exactly what they needed. So that's where the bishops and the deacons came in. At. They were not necessarily put at the top of the hierarchy to be over that of the fivefold ministries. Right? So Ephesians 4, 11 and 16. And he gave some, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we, uh, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head christ 
from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love now when we talked when they talked about the bishops over there and they uh, I believe I did first Peter um, and it talks about the bishop. He has to be one wife and, you know, this and this and that. It says nothing about the this right here. Right. So we're going by the Bible. It says nothing like this right here. It compa then it compares it to a deacon. So if a bishop was supposed to be over the dispensing of the word and not the dispensing of the administration of the church, then it would have talked about these things. And it said, yes, he must, you know, live a good life, have a wife and be of knowledge and all of that. Because you are dealing with not only finances, you're dealing with the administration of people. You're dealing with all of those things. You're not dealing in the word of God. So let's. Go with the first one. The people who are to deal into the word of God. The apostles. Let's look at that one first, right? Because that's the first one that's up. So looking at all the research that I did on apostles, the consensus that I found is that an apostle is a messenger or amb uh, ambassador who is sent out to spread the teachings of Jesus Christ. They are the foundation layers of new churches, not new doctrine, not new teachings. They are to... Continue to lay the foundation which Jesus started. They travel extensively preaching and teaching, performing miracles and um, resurrecting the dead, which we hardly don't see because we really don't believe like we should. They are responsible for passing on Jesus' teachers to others, right? So one viewpoint that I saw said that there are no true apostles in this age. Because the gift of apostleship was restricted to confirming God's word. And the original apostles, they did that. Therefore, the gift is no longer given. So they are saying like that particular gift no longer exists. So people who call themselves apostles in this day and age, they are the people of the second point of view. And the second point of view is that an apostle, apostle, uh, introduces the message of Jesus Christ, plant churches and assist in those churches growth. Right? So the second point of view is they are planters of churches and they assist in the church's growth and they introduce the message of Jesus. Well, the first one, in, <laughs> first of all, to introduce the message of Jesus, that means it has to be people that are not saved. And by now in this age, Everybody pretty much know who Jesus is. Do they believe in him is a different story. But by now, the word is so out there and the word is so pre The word is everywhere. Like people know Jesus, whether you believe Jesus or not, it is already out there. So the second point of view kind of supports the first one. In the fact that it's already, that's been done already. So those that have the gift of the apostleship is not it's just not there anymore it's not to say that it it can't be but where where do you see that a lot of apostles are planting churches in in unknown places i'm talking about places unknown like you from america and god told you to go plant a church on the moon apostle by now a lot of churches are already planted you know, a lot of people already know who Jesus are. They just don't have a place of worship. And that's where a pastor comes in. And, and apostles are not typically pastors. However, some who go and start churches, they do exercise, exercise in the gift of a pastor. But it's kind of like we don't, I, I don't see true apostles. I haven't seen true apostles in the sense of planting and confirming God's word of churches. Now, the traveling part, 
to maintain churches. So say like you have a, uh, somebody have a bunch of churches up under them, but most of them people want to be called bishops anyway. So let's just be honest. But if somebody has a bunch of churches over them, they don't sit at one. They go from all the churches. They, you know, they travel to all the churches. They do a lot of traveling. Apostles do a lot of traveling, but it's for the equipping It's for the equipping of the saints of the work of ministry. So, are they sitting in, is your apostle sitting in a position of a pastor yet? He just want to be called an apostle or a bishop. Cause it feels like that's the, that's the authority that God given them. Or are they just true? Are they just, we already know bishops are for the, for the administration of the work for the church, but are they true apostles? Or are they just, just a pastor? And they are, and they want to be titled as such because it gives them a posture with the people and it gives them a posture with themselves because it really, God don't really, God don't care about titles. Cause when he call you, he's going to say your first name, your name. He's not going to call you apostle. So-and-so what have you done? No, he's going to call you by your name. And then he's going to ask you, what did you do with the ministry? What did you do? What I gave you? And if he didn't even give you the gift of apostleship, which again, some believe, and a lot of these, some it's a lot of them believe that it's already that, that gift no longer exists. The title still there, but the gifting and the work of the apostle is no longer there because the original apostles already did the, they, they did the foundational work. They went to all the lands that didn't know Jesus and the ones that, you know, they brought along. They continued to go to all the lands that didn't know Jesus and they confirmed his word and they did it by miracles and signs and wonders. Uh, is your apostle showing you miracle signs and wonders? Ask yourself, do you see these things in your apostle? Because if you don't see these things, lust of the flesh, pride of life, lust of the eyes. Let's go to prophets. So it is said that the overall purpose and function of a prophets of prophets are that they are mouthpieces for God. They communicate God's will to the people, encourage them in faithfulness, and they call the people back to God when they have returned to sin. So they pretty much call you back to God. So prophets are not fortune tellers, people. They are not fortune tellers who predict bountiful blessings. They're prophecies are rooted in God's word I'm laughing because <laughs> my pastor and I had this conversation right so she calls me and she was like you know I'm gonna blame you for what I had to say to the people and I was like blame me you know what I do she was like because you said you know I was just scared to say what God wanted to wanted me to say um and I was, she said, you know, not that I really was scared. She said, I just really didn't want to. I said, that means you were scared um, because you were scared of the flack of the people. Cause she has, she's a pastor. She has a heart for the people. Like she wants God people to grow. But then there's that tenderness that she has towards God people that she'd be like, I don't really want to say that. No, no, no. Say it, baby. And me, she called me cutthroat. And, and she'll say, do you come in peace? That's what she tells me when I, when I walk in the building, do you come in peace? And I have to, you know, either tell them I got the white flag, I come in peace or no, nah, I ain't come in peace. And they brace themselves for whatever God is saying. Right. So she said she blamed me. And I said, well, let me ask you a couple of, you know, probing questions. Teacher here. Let me ask a couple of probing questions. I said, was I the one that told you to say, I said, who told you to say what you had to say? She said, the Lord. I said, okay, good, good, good. The Lord told you to say that. I say, so, um, what happened when you said those things? She said, the Holy Spirit demonstrated and, you know, begin to manifest himself step forward. I said, okay, so the Lord gave you the message and then he backed that message up by the Holy Spirit. I said, but where in the, where did I sit or where was I at when, or what was I doing when it, all of this? She was like, I get your point. Right, right. So I'm glad you get your point. She said, well, I just want you to cuddle me and tell me, you know, the money is coming. Then I bust out laughing. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not the money coming preaching, preacher, teacher, the prophet. I'm just not that money coming person. You, you looking for that. You, you might as well go somewhere else because the prophecies are rooted in God's word. And I know you, you preachers in that, that says God wants you to um be blessed. Even as your soul is be blessed and prosperous. I know the scripture is coming slowly to me, but for real, for real. 
He wanted you to live in bless. He wanted you to live in peace. He wanted you to be at peace with all men. He wants you to be blessed in the fact that you know that you are content with such things that you have, right? So prophets are not fortune tellers. I'm stopping it right there because again, I've told y'all money has its own lesson. Trust me. We going to dive into all of that. We going to dig into all of that. The prophets bring warnings and God's judgment to people. As much as y'all want to say only God can judge me. Let's let's run this back. Let's run this back. You right, only God can judge you. But if your raggedy behind and I did say raggedy, is not listening to the spirit of God who is speaking in your spirit, who is through your intuition or whatever you, the little still voice that, that, that's inside of you. Little, if you have silenced that voice in you because of the sin and because of what you want to hear and what you want to do, baby, how else God is going to tell you? How else is God going to tell you that your skirt is hanging, your slip is hanging, I mean, your your your, your, your underwear showing, you're sinning, baby. How else God is going to tell you if he does not send a prophet to you? You you, you ready for me? Because I got it for you. Elijah. <laughs> Elijah. He brought God's judgment to King Ahab and Jezebel. I need to do a whole lesson on the Jezebel spirit because I think y'all got the Jezebel spirits completely confused. It's not about earrings and, and, and lipstick and all of that and, and hormone and no, mm -mm. King Ahab made an alliance with some people who did not believe in God was not, they worship idols. He made an alliance with them people by marrying Jezebel. That woman was already practicing all of her foolishness over there with her people because that's what they practiced. They were idol worship. They were just wicked. He made an alliance with them by marrying her. So he married the sin. He married into that. And then he allowed her because it was only through him that she was allowed king. Remember, we're talking about kings. Give us a king. It was only through him that Jezebel was allowed to continue to operate, to allow her prophets of Baal, Baal, whatever you want to call them, to kill those so many prophets of God. It was through him that she was able to do that. She could not function outside of his authority. Elijah came in. And broke judgment to a to Ahab and Jezebel because of that. He he had to do that because Ahab had done allow his wife to rule the kingdom. Well, he wasn't supposed to. Okay, so I don't know where this Jezebel spirit of you can't wear this, can't wear that, and oh, you just a Jezebel. She's out sleeping around. That's not a Jezebel spirit. That lady slept with that king, but that lady was an idol worshiper. And she came from idol worshipers and King Ahab knowingly married that lady, knowing that and allow her to kill those prophets of God and allow her to bring that idol worship over to the children of Israel to put a king in their way, a stumbling block in their way um, to oppress God's people. Moving on, David. I know David wasn't a prophet, but David was visited by prophet Nathan who confronted him about his adultery with Bathsheba. Now, and arranging her husband Uriah's death on the battlefield. So not only did you sleep with the lady, you had the lady husband killed because you were trying to cover your sin because your sin produced a child within that lady. Come on now. So you didn't hear King David on the rooftop. I'll take you back. It said in the days that the kings went to war. David stayed home. David stayed home in the days that the kings went out to war. David was a man of war. That's why he could not build the house of God because he had blood on his hands. But that wasn't a bad thing because God called him to be a man of war. Because you remember Saul has killed his thousand, but David had killed his 10,000. David was a man of war. That was that's what God called him. He called him to be a man of war. And so therefore he had blood on his hand. But when the kings went out, when it was a, when he was supposed to be leading the troops in the battlefield, 
David was out there in his flesh, walking on top of the rooftop. And because of his flesh, he could not hear God say, that's the wife of another. That's the wife of another, David. He couldn't hear it because his flesh was pounding so hard, loud and between his legs and in his that reverberated up through his ears that he could not. He, he saw something. He wanted it and he got it. And when he got it, he sent her back home when he was done. He sent her back home. And then when she told him she was pregnant, he brought his, he brought her husband from the battlefield and tried to convince him to go sleep with the lady. But that man said, no, we supposed to be at war. I'm, I don't want to be here eating and drinking and, and sleeping with my wife. And I'm supposed to be out there on the battlefield with my brothers in arms. So David said, all right, since you don't want to go sleep with your wife, uh, take this. Gator wrote the man's death certificate, put it in the envelope and gave it to the man. Had the man carry his own death certificate to the captain of the guards to put him in the hottest battle at the front so that he could be killed. He didn't hear God. He, he didn't listen for God. God, God. He didn't hear. David, that you commend sin, David, <laughs> you commend sin. So the prophet Nathan had to come tell him. There was a man that had none but a pretty little goat. That was all, that pretty sheep was his. And another man came and took it. And David had the nerve to get mad and say, who is this man off with this head? And Nathan just quietly said, that man is you. You slept with your right. You knew that was that man's wife. Now, your actions will be hit, holds consequences for not only you, but your family and your entire kingdom. Your entire kingdom. And that baby going to die. Oh, I knew that one to get you. But let's go to Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah was one of the most known prophets in the Bible because he predicted the coming of Jesus, coming of the Messiah. But here's how he did it. Because I told you, God's prophets, the prophecies are rooted in God's word. He was predicting something that was, uh, was being foretold through all the generations. So it's not like he pulled it out the air. No, he said, we going to have a Messiah based on the old, look at the Old Testament, which Isaiah is still in the Old Testament. But these are the signs in which that Messiah is coming and he going to lead the people out of sin. Jeremiah, who's a prophet that pronounced ju God's judgment upon the people because they were wicked. These people falsely and insecurely worshiped God and they did not trust him in national affairs. Je Je Jeremiah, ooh, so, sorry, also spoke against social injustice. Hmm. One more, one more for you. One more for you. I know Ezekiel, his prophetic duties included, including, uh, and announcing God's judgment on both Israel and the surrounding nations. And he also provided a vision for the future, for the future kingdom. He, he provided that vision that complemented and added to the vision of the old and new Testament texts. He didn't say something, nothing that was not already written or that was not already been foretold. He complimented the vision. He added to the vision. And that's one of the things I've heard in my, in my, you know, walk with Christ. And because I didn't know what that thing was. Again, I told the story before I thought a prophet was about it. Bought pickles at, you know, a dollar and sold them for $2 and they made a dollar profit. I didn't know what a prophet was, even though I had visions and dreams since I could remember. I didn't know what that was. So one of the things I've heard before is that prophets don't give a new word to a person. They confirm the vision of the word that God has already spoken to that person. They also correct it, receive, uh, revive, protect, and expand that vision. It is nothing new. These prophets did not bring nothing new. Now, David, <laughs> he needed to be corrected all the way around because you knew that wasn't yours. You, and you knew if God wanted you to have her, or you, or you, or if you wanted to have her, because Nathan said that the Lord said if, he, if you even asked him for it, he would have gave it to you. He would have gave it to you. So David had to be checked by a prophet. 
Because those of you that always talk about only God can judge me, you got doggone right. He is the only one. But how will you hear if you have silenced his voice within you? If you have allowed your lust of the flesh, your lust of your eyes and the pride of life to silence that still small voice that is God within you, he got to send somebody to tell you. So that's what a prophet is. Don't get it twisted. He may say God's going to bless you double for your trouble, but that doesn't mean always money, people. That doesn't always mean things that you think it means. And and I got to say this because I've, I've heard this, you know, some people were, uh, I forget where, oh my God, I just heard this like two, two days ago, but I forget it's actually where like these people was upset with the prophet of God because the prophet said that the mother was not going to die. Some mother said she wasn't going to die, but the mother died, right? We get so wrapped up in living this life that when somebody tells you somebody is not going to die, we take it literally that they're going to continue to live this life. If yo, if that mother was in Christ and that mother believed that God was the, that Jesus was the son of man and confessed in her heart and she did the work that Lord had called her to do here while she was on earth, she didn't die. She did not die. She transcended from this life to the life over there. She didn't die. But it's hard for us to grasp that because we're in our flesh and we're seeing with our eyes. And to be really honest, we want the people here with us. We want them here with us. That's living to us. No, baby, there's much more to life than living over here on this side of heaven. All right. I I just had to say that. An evangelist is next up on the list. So the primary role of an evangelist is to spread the gospel of Jesus. So pretty much they travel and salespeople. That's what I call them with a message of hope, encouragement, and compassionate love that corrects sinful ways. That's it. That's all evangelists are. They don't, they don't have to be, you know, uh, attached to all of this hoopla of church and, they just traveling salespeople for God. They they pretty much sail through the word of God, the hope and encouragement of the eternal life and the blessings of being one of God's loved children. That's all they do. They don't have to sit in a church or they travel. Please don't just be sitting in the church saying that you are an evangelist and evangelists go out and they, they call the lost. They help to call the lost and what these old folks used to call it, the highways and byways, nedges. <laughs> they go out there and they, they do the stump work. They do the leg work. You know, they could be considered apostles, but they're not setting up churches. So don't get it twisted. They just out there preaching God, preaching Jesus preaching the gospel, compelling men to come, you know, those are your, those are your people that go out on the street corners and pass out leaflets. There are the people that have the megaphones out there and telling you, telling the dying world about a living Jesus. Those are those people. Those are evangelists. Those people are out evangelizing or they're in the spirit of an evangelist. They might be a pastor out there in the spirit of evangelism and evangelizing because come on now, ain't nobody coming to the church. I said it. There are no new saints coming to the church. It's not recycled people, recycled hurt. They done left your church and went to somebody else's church because you done sneezed wrong on them. And then they went over to somebody else's church because, baby, it's COVID. Why is you sneezing on me? And then they go over to the other church with the offense that they left with from your church. And then they pick up another offense over there and they go to another church. Not alone. They just building fences. Ain't no new saints coming to the church. But these evangelists go out and they compel the people to come to the church. And that's all I got to say about that in my Forrest Gump voice. Pastors. Oh, pastors. So pastors are caretakers of a particular group of people known as a congregation. They are supposed to provide spiritual guidance, teach the word of God, and equip believers for ministry. They do not travel like apostles should or do. 
That's why I said earlier that apostles are not typically pastors. Apostles travel a great deal of time. But again, who who has the gift of apostle really in this age, in this time frame where everybody named mama know about Jesus? They might not like him. They might not receive him, but they know. Pastors are centrally located. So as the office of the pastorship evolved over the years, many believe that the pastor, he or she, it, whatever you want to be, your pronoun you want to be called, should be an ordained member of the clergy of a Christian religious denomination. Mm-hmm. So many believe that you should be ordained an, an ordained member of clergy of a Christian religious denomination. Without that, Again, these are what man is saying. This is the canon. This is what you're supposed to be. In order for you to be considered a pastor, you, somebody have to uh, anoint you, ordain you, or uh, appoint you, ordain you as part of a clergy, part of, their, part of an organization. That religious spiritual canon. For this reason, there are many in a pastoral position who God has not called to be. God has not called you to be in that position. So I said it. God has not called some of these people in these positions, especially that of a pastor. Because as I've told you before, you go on the internet and get them license. <laughs> you can pay for them license on the internet. But did God put you in that position? Like, did he really anoint you to be a pastor? It'd be evident, but these people say you have to, you know, have this card, this membership card in order to be a pastor. People who are called to lead and rely on this system to pastor, they are shut out by gatekeepers who want to maintain monopolized control. I'm simply, I'm saying they cannot they continue to hide behind their collar of false pretense and motives. So these people who are holding these positions, they're holding them, they're monopolizing it so that people who are really called, because I'm trying to clarify all of this for you, who are really called, they block them out. They lock them out. These people can't get in through this system because if I'm, a cricket pastor and I have false pretenses and motives of being a pastor and I'm in a position, I'm in a position to either license somebody or not get, you know, to, you know, license somebody pretty much. I was trying to say it another way, but pretty much in a position to give somebody a license to preach or a license to be a pastor. And I know this person is going to surpass me is going to do or is going to expose me. I'm not giving them, I'm not giving them a license. I'm going to find every reason not to. I'm going to make him the offender and me the one that he's offending. I'm going to make him the offender of God's word and not and not me. Even though I'm the one offending God's word. I'm the one that's dealing in trickery of men. I'm the one that's cunning, crafty, craftiness, uh, deceitful plotting. I'm the one doing it. I'm the one that's carried away by every winning doctrine that it says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I'm the one that is carrying men away. I'm the one that's tricking people. I'm not going to let him get in. So I'm going to block that way. I'm going to block him in getting in, getting in as a pastor. And, and I should, right? I should because I'm doing this based on my motives, my false pretenses. Because you think I'm up here preaching for you and I'm up here pastoring for you. And, and the Bible say, feed my people. And I'm feeding you. I might not be feeding you the right stuff, but I'm feeding you. Pastors are supposed to care. They are supposed to be there to guide and lead, to instruct in godly, godly, righteous living. But they're not. They're not. <sighs> the last one in this fivefold ministry is the other gift that God has called me to and the one that I'm doing currently now and I'm operating currently in as the teaching prophet is teachers. And the overall role of a biblical teacher, let's just be honest, 
Some of us are teachers, but none of us are biblical teachers. It's to help grow the faith of believers, help develop a deeper understanding of biblical and Christian principles, and to demonstrate how to live out this life through the way Jesus will want us to live it out in our everyday lives. Our everyday lives. We are supposed to help you grow from your faith and add to your faith knowledge, which again, I said this podcast. Woo! I love being a teacher, but can you see, can you see, I love being a teacher. So we're supposed to add to your faith knowledge. There's a downside to teaching as well. I don't know if it's called a downside. I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna let you judge. So James three and one says, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And when he said we, so he's including himself. So James is saying, I'm a teacher as well. So, but not many of you ought to become teachers. Okay. So first off, I recognize that of the fivefold ministries, teaching is the one that comes with a clear warning. <laughs> we shall receive a stricter judgment. Comes with a clear warning. Preaching didn't come with a warning. Apostles, prophets, none of that comes with a warning because yes, there are false prophets out there. Yes, there are false pastors out there. Yes, there are evangelists out there that, you know, they do it for filthy lucre, money. Um, and all will have their part. But teachers, it says, we shall receive a stricter judgment. I believe this is because teachers are without excuses. It is the assumption that teachers by teaching. I'll say that again. It is the assumption that teachers by teaching are claiming to know what they ought to know. Therefore, they have a greater judgment. Knowing more makes for more accountability. Teachers know more. So now they're going to be accounted to that. They have to be accountable to that. And so in my studying of what this, because you know, as I keep telling you, I'm studying. I'm not just coming off, you know, farting the wind and just saying this stuff. No, I'm actually going and I'm actually digging. I'm actually looking at sources. I'm actually comparing sources. I'm comparing if the information is, you know, what God will want me to say. And if it's valid, if it's true based on, you know, the Holy Spirit and, and what I see and what I'm hearing. Right. So Luke 12 47 through 48 and a lot of people have used this scripture and i and i when i saw it i was like oh i've seen this when it talks about pastors i've seen this when it talks about evangelists apostles and and you know prophets it says and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with a many stripes but he who do not know yet committed these things, deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And I said, of all the things in of, all, of, and of the fivefold ministry, and even uh, you bishops that, yeah, I'm rolling my eyes. Um, I could see this being applied to teachers. I could see how this is applicable to teachers. Because we have to study. We have to be in the face of God. We have to do these things. And so I think this is in the point in the lesson where I tell you that these churches running these different these different services and you preaching three and four service uh a day and during the week you are running all these businesses you're 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 doing all these appearances you're doing all these other stuff when do you have time to get a fresh word from god when do you have time to really sit and be taught because me i don't have that time i had i don't have that luxury i don't have that luxury to be able to work full time and to get all that I'm getting to deliver to you. Because I have to I have to sit with God. I have to know what he's saying um, according to his spirit. And not the social spirit. Not the, you know, people spirit. I have to know what God is saying. 
Because I'm not trying to be in your business unless God is telling me to be in your business. So I have to shut off and I have to, I sit in here sometimes just in the dark, just, just sitting, you know, with God and just reading his word and just, and then sitting so I can listen and hear. And that requires shutting a lot of stuff off and a lot of stuff out. When, when are you doing this? When are you doing this when you are managing and when you are over so much stuff as a pastor, as a bishop, rolling my eyes again, as an uh, apostle, evangelist, when are you really, when, when are you hearing from God? When is your time? You know, because a few minutes a day is not efficient. Is not, especially when people are literally dying. I'm talking about literally taking their lives. People are literally dying out here. And you, you preach in according to the social graces of people's feelings and conscience. I'm not done with these positions. I got two more. And I'm going to finish it. So this is going to be our last one. But I just had to interject that like, when, when are you finding time to get a fresh word? When everybody is so busy, with it, in the words of Tamar, everybody is booked and busy. When are you booked in with Jesus? And so these last two positions, I'm going to just hit real quick um, and going on about my business because we got other stuff to teach and learn on. All right. <laughs> I just had to say that because it was just all my heart. Lord want me to say it. I'm going to say it because I'm a fool for him. I'm going to say it. The other positions that I want to talk about, um, one of them is the singers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hmm So speaking to the psalmist, a friend of mine, God has given her the gift of song. And, you know, she said when she she's going to these churches, she said she's hearing the praise team. And she's seeing these different spirits come out of these people's mouth. They are so not singing under the anointing of God or, the, or through or with the spirit of God. They doing it for God, but they ain't doing it with God. And she said, it just sounds so ugly. It sounds so ugly. She said, oh my God, what is going on? So the gift of singing versus the anointing of singing, the gift of talent versus the gift of anointing. Um, so I was just, I was feeling off in my spirit and, and it just was like, I can't read today. Reading was not on the high on like was one of the, I just was like not feeling. Re- give me a song, Lord. Give me, give me a song. Give me a song. Right. So I turned on my Apple music and I was like, I just need, a, I just need to hear a word through a song. So I was listening to this Christian group, beautiful group. The The song was so beautiful. It was saying what I wanted it to say. It was the harmonies was on point. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's how I'm feeling. But I was not getting better. I was feeling worse. I was like, they saying everything that I'm feeling, but what's going on here? And I just heard the Holy Spirit simply say they're not anointed. They don't have, the anointing is not on them to, to minister you to a place of wholeness. It's not on them. They can't take you from the outer courts to the inner courts of the Lord. It's not on them. Song beautiful. Anointing was beautiful. The harmonies was, man, was perfect blend of voices. But there was no anointing behind their singing. It's no anointing. Record sales probably is through the roof. And I've heard people say this group has, you know, this group has just really, you know, done so much for me and da 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 da. And I look at the people that says it and I'm just going to be, just got to tell you what God is showing me and telling me. Most of the people that have said this have the same spirit of one of the one or two or three of the people in the group, which is, you know, a spirit that's not of God. And so for them, because if you were of the world, the world would accept you and the world would love you. To them, Beelzebub can't cast out Beelzebub. To them, that was me clapping. I don't have a buzzer or whatever. That's me clapping. To them, they 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 feel that stuff because they're ministering. Those two, those spirits are talking to each other. The spirit of them, that group wasn't talking to my spirit, so I could not get from the outer courts of my feelings and into the inner court with God. 
I know the Bible says over there in Psalms 150 and 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I know the Bible say praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and and praise is beautiful. Psalms 147 and 1. I, I know that. But are you singing for God or are you singing for money? Are you singing for God or are you singing for attention? Are you ministering to God? Or are you ministering to people? There's a difference. It is. Because when you minister to God, you eventually hit the people. But if you start with the people, you won't hit God. If you sing to the people, you will never please God. But if you sing to God, you will, you will minister to the people. You can't serve God and man. You can't serve God and money. Yes, your gift will make room for you and bring you before great people. But what are your intentions when you get in front of them people? What are your intentions when you get in front of those people? And yes, it'll bring you before great people. But who's to say you are the one to actually minister to them people? Sometimes it's good to get noticed. It's good. It is good for you to be noticed for your gift because the Bible says nations will call you that knew you not. But here is the thing. If you're doing it for the wrong reasons, if your attentions are not pure, and if your attentions are not led by God, and if you are moved by every wind and doctrine, if you're moved by every amount of the dollars and the zeros in the bank account, no, baby, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It, it, it really won't. So who are you singing for and to? Who are you singing for and to? Because if it don't end with G-O-D, it won't end with G-O-D. Amen. We want to thank you again for tuning in to the Teaching Prophet Podcast, where our goal is to add to your faith, knowledge, knowledge that will help you experience the fullness of God so that you can walk in complete understanding of what he has for you. Please feel free to subscribe, share, like, and or leave a comment about today's lesson. Also, you can support the teachings monetarily through our cash app at Tangela LLC, our Zelle, which is our email address, LLC at gmail.com, or click the support link or button on whichever platform from which you're listening. Until next time, God bless.